Welcome to episode 525 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast that will not be interviewing Jack Danger this week. I mean, he's everywhere. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a pinball podcast featuring Jack Danger this week. My God, I love you, Jack. Great to hear you on the airwaves, buddy. All right, so here's the thing. I want to jump right into it. I want to jump right into it, and we're going to talk about a few things on this episode. I think you're going to enjoy everything we touch on, but I want to go back to the playfield issues because I've been on vacation all week, and yes, I did break my foot on my vacation. Damn floor was wet when I was carrying Bubba, the hotel lobby. I'm not going to sue them, but I was listening to the other pinball podcasts that are out there, and I want to say this. Here's what I don't get. Here's what I really don't understand. And for those of us who have a microphone, for those of us who have an audience, for those of us who have influence and the ability to reach people in the pinball community, I don't understand why the playfield issue continues to be something that people are divided on what the response should be. If a manufacturer is putting a defective product into a game. Why is it that certain people out there are just like, well, I don't think that's reason enough not to buy. I don't understand that. I really don't understand it. And I'm listening to the shows and I'm listening to people say the the following. This is where I don't understand the logic of a lot of these gentlemen. They're like, everyone agrees that that is a defective thing. That if the play field in a game is pooling and chipping and lifting up the artwork, that that is a defective thing that should not be in the game. So everyone out there agrees on that part of it, that that should never make its way to a customer. Then from there, it starts to get really wishy-washy in how people out there look at this topic. I still hear people out there making fun of Canada's Pinball Podcast for focusing on playfield issues. Oh, okay, so, so we're supposed to just allow a defective thing happen in the pinball hobby and just let it go. Just brush it under the carpet. It's no big deal. And I don't understand that approach at all. Like we're not supposed to keep on something until it's solved, until there's a solution. We just, we just let it go. That's yesterday's news. So those of you out there who are spending all this money on these new games, and it's not just Jersey Jack, it's Stern Games, it's other games out there. Those of you who are spending all this money Don't you want your games to have the best possible playfields in them? And when playfield issues pop up, if we just let it go or ignore it or just uh, live with it, how is that a solution to this issue? So no, instead of moving on, I will dedicate shows to this topic, okay? So we all agree it's defective. And then from there, if we're seeing defective playfields make its way out into the world, this is the other part that's really weird. I heard this this week. I heard that it's a great PR opportunity for a pinball company to have this issue pop up. That it's a great PR moment for Jersey Jack Pinball to have these bad playfields out in the wild. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know if people out there understand what public relations is. This is not a great PR opportunity. I've been doing PR for 19 years. This is an issue and a crisis for any pinball manufacturer out there. It is an issue and a crisis. It is not an opportunity to come out of this looking amazing. There there really is no win-win here at all for any pinball company, not just Jersey Jack. When you mail people defective products and you have to replace that defective product, like that is not a great opportunity for anyone. 
Now, it is a moment in which a company can show us if they're going to communicate and own up to the issue. And I think that's the main part of, of what's happening right now. Will this company actually acknowledge there is an issue? And we all know the answer to this, right? We all know the answer to this. There is absolutely no way they can come out and say that these things are defective because there's absolutely no way they can financially afford to fix the problem on all of these games if it's affecting the first few hundred games that have been made, right? There is no way they're going to do it. The only thing they can do is if you have a really serious problem with it, they will send you probably an unpopulated play field, okay? But it's like, it's, it's amazing to me that we who are consumers, who are looking at these companies, it is amazing to me that people out there that have these podcasts are basically saying, you know, they're going to fix it. They're going to make it right. Okay. Okay. So when? Wait, wait, I, don't, I don't understand why we're still here. Like, I don't have that level of confidence anymore. And I know you don't have that level of confidence anymore. Why should we, as a pinball community, continue to give these companies a pass after pass after pass? How many attempts do they get? And I mean this, not just Jersey Jack, all these pinball companies. How many attempts do they get to get it right? And how many customers have to open up games and have issues before it's a real issue for everybody, right? And I mean it like we're a community. Like, I don't want to see anyone open up their game and have a crappy play field. Like, nobody is opening up Rick and Morty and having a crappy play field day. Nobody. Not one Rick and Morty owner out there is having any issues with their playfield quality. And I think they're on number like 330 right now. So almost half of the games are made. Almost half. And we have not seen one Rick and Morty with a playfield issue. They have made more Rick and Mortys than Guns N' Roses. And we've seen more Guns N' Roses and more Avengers with playfield issues than we've seen of Rick and Morty, okay? Now, that's a problem. Okay, so then the other part is this, and I always I love this part about it. It's, it's when people out there admit that it's a defective thing, they admit that these companies don't have a solution, but here's my favorite part, and this is why like, I just don't get the pinball media. I don't get it when they say this, but you should still buy. You should not boycott buying pinball machines. That buying a game is still the answer. And uh, of course it is because half of the people out there are selling you machines or they're great friends with these companies. And of course, even though they're admitting there's a problem, even though they're admitting this is something nobody wants in a game, they're still telling you to buy machines. I don't understand how you come to that logic. I'm not saying boycott. Like, I, I, I heard that. Like, oh, you know, Canada is advocating that we should boycott pinball companies. No, boycotting is something you do to a company when a company does something willingly malicious or says something really ignorant that you just don't believe in. Like, people might boycott Chick-fil-A because they're homophobic, right? People might boycott Chipotle if they put out a racist ad, right? Something like that. I don't think Jersey Jack Pinball did anything where we should be boycotting Jersey Jack Pinball, right? They didn't do anything willingly malicious. They did not know these playfields were going to have these issues. I don't think they knew this was going to happen at all. So we can't boycott because boycott feels like a group effort to, to take down a company. And that's not what I'm saying we should do. The unfortunate thing is we really don't have much power because we really want these games. The game is amazing. The game is a masterpiece, but there really is nothing you can do right now. If you buy a Guns N' Roses early on, you really have no power other than to hope 
that the game you unbox is going to have quality inside it. And, and I don't know how anyone feels super confident right now that that's going to be the case. And all I'm asking for is everyone else out there, all the other pinball podcasts, all the other pinball media, those of us in the pinball community, I think we should just stick together on this one. We just should not accept defective products. And we should collectively lock our arms together and be like, look, we want a solution. And I don't think like we should be guinea pigs, the first few hundred buyers, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're gonna we're just gonna like lock our money in, not know what the quality is gonna be, and just hope and pray is the only option we have. And I saw that too. It was like, you know, look, Guns N' Roses is a masterpiece. It's an incredible experience. And yeah, like if there's pooling on your post while you're playing this rock and roll masterpiece, you're not really gonna notice it, but that's not the point. The point is when you spend $9,500 or $13,000 or even like $6,700, for this much money, the point is you shouldn't have to just live with it, right? You shouldn't have to just like live with it and put up with it if it starts to happen in your game. And you shouldn't have to like have this amazing experience, but then when you shut your machine off or you start to wax the play field, you're going to see it and it's going to annoy you and it's not going to go away. And I don't think anyone who spends this kind of money should have to just live with it. And I heard that too, with people just saying, it's pinball, just have fun, just just crank up the volume and live with it. No, no, that's not how it works in life. You Would, would you accept something, would you accept a watch that didn't really tell time right and it, and it was like the time was off, but it looked beautiful, so just live with it. This is like, it's like there's a scratch on your car door. Well, does, the car is still just as fast as it always is, so just enjoy it. Don't don't worry about the scratch on that door. Just, just enjoy the experience. And that's what people are telling people they should do because it's pinball. And no, at these prices, I think our standards should just be higher. Now, here the other part is this. You know, I'm in on a collector's edition, and I keep hearing from people, Canada, you're a hypocrite. Because here you are telling people that they should sort of wait until this company fixes the problem. You know, you've told people, Chris, that washers are not fixing the problem. And here you are as a hypocrite because you are not canceling your collector's edition order of Guns N' Roses, even though you're seeing pooling on the play fields. And I'm here to tell you 100%, there's no way I'm canceling my collector's edition. I want this game so badly. There's nothing I can do. I'm frozen too. And a lot of us are in the same boat. Like if you got an early Ellie order in, you're frozen. If you got a collector's edition, there's no way, there's no way anyone who ordered a CE is going to cancel that order now, even if they're seeing this pooling. I mean, just for the obvious reason, we just saw that collector's edition where the profit went to the Cambodian orphanage. Do you know what that game just sold for? $21,000, $21,000 and best believe, I don't care if there's an orphanage involved or not, if you saw another CE go up for sale, it is definitely gonna sell for around that $20,000 range. So why would you cancel your order just knowing that people want this game so bad? So that would be foolish. Now, I'm not canceling my order just because I'm the biggest Guns N' Roses fan, and I, I this is not just another pinball machine for me. This is not another uh, moment for me to flip a game. I'll, I'll say this right now. I am not a huge Big Lebowski fan. I, I'm not a fanatic about that film, so it was easy for me to flip that game. I'm not a humongous is Batman 66 fan. So it's easy for me to get rid of my SLE of Batman. I'm not the biggest Ninja Turtles fan. I don't really care about the Avengers comic book. I don't really care about most of these themes that come out. But this is my favorite band of all time. And I think this is the greatest music pin of all time. So like there's no way I'm selling it. So 
I just hate that I have to worry that there might be a quality issue on it. That's all I'm saying. And I think every single person who's in on a CE feels this way. So I just don't appreciate it when those of us out there who have influence are kind of saying that that's, that's being a baby. Look at Canada over there. He's once again whining and moaning about playfield issues. Why? Let's interview people and win a Twippy. No, it's, that's not how it works. The reason why we win Twippies on this show is because we go after these issues and we care more about the consumers in this hobby and we care more about customers getting what they're paying for. I care more about that and staying on this issue than I do about winning a Twippy than I do about getting interviews from those companies because I don't care. I would rather say how I feel about these topics than interview people that I know that I know are still gonna tell you bye, 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 okay? Now look, the final part around this whole thing is will Jersey Jack communicate anything that, that has to do with this? Following them over the past week on social media, it's quite clear that they are not gonna address this issue. And they're also behaving in a way that is sort of contrarian to social media. And this is the problem I have with so many pinball companies when it comes to how they communicate is that they they go on platforms like Facebook. They go on a platform that is all about responding to people who comment on your page. And look, there's not a ton of people who write comments on a post by a pinball company. There's just not. But if you see people asking questions about, well, when am I going to get my game? Uh, are you guys working on uh, solutions to playfield issues? There's never any response. There's never any response. And we know you're there. Like, we know you're there. We know there's people on the other end of Jersey Jack Pinball's social media posts. But that's the unfortunate thing is, and I don't know what the solution is. I really don't. I don't know what you say. The only solution in pinball when it comes to playfields is to make high quality playfields. If you deliver playfields that are not high quality, there's nothing you're going to say after the fact that's going to make anyone who has those defective games feel good. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing you can do. It's not a PR opportunity. It's a manufacturing issue and they need to get the manufacturing down on this. Okay. So we'll see what happens. I mean, more and more games are going to get opened up. And if more and more games get opened up and it seems like there are issues, we all know what's going to happen next. You're not going to see the collector's editions this year. You're not. It's going to be another Willy Wonka moment in which they have to delay things and figure out the problem. And we all know those washers are not the fix. Okay. All right, so this is going to be an ongoing story that we are going to touch on. Like every week, we're going to see new examples of playfields. So I don't care if you make fun of Canada for bringing up this topic. If you think this is something that you don't want to hear about, then just don't listen to my show because I'm always going to follow up on stories like these. All right, all right. So what's next in pinball? So let's talk about Chicago Gaming Company because now, now it's actually a decent opportunity for Chicago Gaming Company to come out with their next title. A few reasons why. Jersey Jack Pinball a month ago just blew everyone away with the Guns N' Roses launch. Probably the greatest, it was the greatest pinball launch in the history of pinball launches. They got so much excitement around GNR. And guess what? They also got a ton of orders for Guns N' Roses. I would assume, I'm just going to make an assumption, I would say that Jersey Jack's orders for GNR must be close to 3,000 units, okay? Which is amazing. Now, the problem is they can't make 3,000 games quickly at all. I mean, we, we all know this. I mean, we're seeing it right now. And so I, I think people who ordered their GNR like 
first day or two are now being told the LEs might arrive in like March or April. Okay, so manufacturing at speed and being hyper-efficient with that new factory is still a work in progress over at Jersey Jack. So that is a reason why it might be a great time for Chicago Gaming Company if they can get this game built quickly to come out and announce a game and you can have it quickly. Because so, Chicago Gaming Company, once the games are actually on the line, they can crank them out pretty quickly. But, but, there's a big but coming right now, right? Do you guys know when they announced Monster Bash Remake? They announced Monster Bash Remake in July of 2018. In July of 2018. And those games did not ship in July of 2018. I believe it was much later on in the year before any Monster Bashes made their way out to people. So over two years ago was when Chicago Gaming Company last announced a new title. So you call Jersey Jack slow. This is the slowest pinball company in the world when it comes to their next title coming out. Now, obviously, Deep Root takes the cake as being the slowest because nothing is out, but it takes a really long time. And yes, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Churchill Cabinets, super successful company, pinball is not their focus. But when they do decide to make a pinball game, it is of great quality and they do make games that people want and their games are gorgeous. I mean, I've stood in front of Monster Bash remakes, Medieval Madness remakes, Attack from Mars remakes. They are insanely beautiful pins and they're super competitively priced with everything that's in those games. These games are perfectly priced right now to come out. Now, here's what the next title is going to be. All I did was reach out to my guy over at CGC and I said, hey, what, what, what is it? Is it Theater of Magic? Is it Cactus Canyon? Is it, you know, Alien? Is it, what, you know, is it Toadin? Is it Big Bang Bar? And he said, Chris, it's, it's Cactus Canyon. It's Cactus Canyon. It's Cactus Canyon Remake. So I know there's been a lot of back and forth. I keep hearing that the stuff they're doing in Cactus Canyon is amazing. They're doing new sculpts. They're going to have, I think, more code in the game. And I'm hearing it's the nicest uh, Chicago gaming company package to date. And Christopher Franchi said on his last show that this game is going to be out before the year is over. That's like less than eight weeks away. So we are going to get Cactus Canyon Remake sometime in 2020. So that's exciting. All of a sudden right now, it seems like a great time to release this game because I think Guns N' Roses buyers are getting very impatient. Ironically, because patience is such a popular GNR song, but people don't want to wait six months to get a game. And if you're telling me that I have to wait to April to get Guns N' Roses or there's a shiny new Cactus Canyon inbox I can have next week, I might want to go get that now and I'll go get Guns N' Roses later on because they're making 5,000 GNR LEs. And with the playfield issues and the delay in production, it absolutely seems to make total sense that someone would simply go somewhere else with their money right now. I mean, think about it. Think about it for those two reasons. Why don't I just wait until Jersey Jack Pinball figures out the quality issues I'll just wait because I'm not going to miss out on an LE. They're making 5,000, so I, I will still be able to get one easily. And I will also just wait because if I order it now, I'm going to wait forever to get it anyway. So if I just wait to next summer when they're most likely going to be easier to get one new in box, I'll just wait. Now, the problem is, right, is that people are starting to give non-refundable deposits on these games. It's almost as if Jersey Jack knew this was going to happen, that they were going to have such high demand for the game, but they knew they couldn't make the games that quickly that they were going to lock people in 
with non-refundable deposits. Now, the problem is this. Here's the other problem, right? Unlike Spooky, who told everybody up front, this is our timeline. Spooky said we will make all the games within 18 months, and we are on a roughly 10 games a week production schedule. So Charlie communicated that to everybody going into Rick and Morty. So people knew where they stood. Jersey Jack Pinball will not tell you how many games a week. They will not tell you how many months. So that is problematic for people. Now, I think Spooky's communication around Rick and Morty has been great. And I think it's one of the reasons why even people at the end of the line are not complaining because they knew what they were getting themselves into. You know, it's like when you're a kid and you're you're getting on a roller coaster and it says, you know, two hours from this point is when you'll get on the ride. You can't complain. They told you two hours until you're on the ride. And I think that's just what some people want right now from JJP is they just want to, even if it's a ballpark, like what are we looking at here? And people want official communication, official communication, not like you're emailing one person You know, people are sharing emails they got on launch day around when they can expect their collector's editions, but but that doesn't count. A lot has happened since launch day till now. If I could ask for one thing at JJP right now, I would just love to see, I would love to see a tour of the factory with people on the line and and them talk to us about how this new factory is working and how efficient it is and how many games they're looking to get out a week. They won't answer that question right now. They said it was proprietary information. I understand, and it is. It is. You know, sometimes Chuck might overshare, but it's a small hobby. It's still a small hobby, and for those of us out there, we'd rather get more information than less information. All right, so speaking of Chicago Gaming Company, did you see that Brian Allen, the incredibly talented artist, shared something and then quickly took it down. He shared information that he's working on a Whitewater Translite, which is really cool. And he, he said something like, you know, the Whitewater Translite never had the logo on the Translite itself, so I can't wait to release this to people out there in the world, which is super awesome. But then he took it down immediately, which made people speculate on whether or not Whitewater is a potential remake with Chicago Gaming Company. I don't think that's the case. I think Brian Allen, you know, does these art packages. I think it's more of an issue of did he have permission from the license holder to announce it and reveal it when he did. And I think he might have got a little excited and I think he might have got a phone call or an email being like, wait a minute, dude, it's we're not fully approved yet on all of this stuff. But that is exciting news if you have a Whitewater that Brian Allen is going to apply his talents to that game. Because not just the translate, I hope he does the inner art blades because the stuff this guy does really makes these games pop. All right, what what else? You're like, Canada's back, and he's like complaining about playfields, that he doesn't have Jack Danger on the show, and he's never going to win a Twippy without all those interviews. All right, so here's the last thing I want to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Two quick things. The first thing I want to talk about is this really cool homebrew game based on Sonic the Hedgehog. It's called Sonic Spinball, and it's a homebrew game that this guy is making, and I'm just watching this video of it, and this thing is super cool. It's super awesome. It has a loop-de-loop. It has to have a loop-de-loop. It's a Sonic game, and it looks super awesome. And what he's done with the uh, the display in this game and the, and the game itself is so much fun. Now, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, American Pinball, call this guy up. American Pinball, make this game. American Pinball should be calling up all of these individuals in the homebrew space, and they should be picking the games that have licensed themes that people would want 
and all the hard work has been done in terms of developing the game. I mean, and then they could also maybe, you know, add some stuff because they have more resources than these homebrew guys. But man, American Pinball, are you watching this stuff? Nightmare Before Christmas, Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball, go make these games. Because over at American Pinball, they're supposed to announce something next week, like Amtron. I'm telling you, people, curb your enthusiasm. It's not going to be a big pinball announcement. It's not. But if you're American Pinball right now, you have to realize that you know that Hot Wheels sales are not great. They're not great. And you have games in boxes, and they're just sitting there. They are just sitting there. It's now where like American Pinball needs to start thinking about its next title. And they need to think about how to make a title that's going to really blow people away. I think where they've been is both sides of the spectrum. I think they went super loaded on games that were based on themes nobody wanted. And that's why those games didn't sell, Oktoberfest and Houdini. Then they got a theme that had much more appeal, but they stripped everything out of the game. There's no way around it. That game has like nothing in it. And so for that reason, the game didn't sell very well, especially because it came out right when Ninja Turtles came out. And looking at Ninja Turtles and Hot Wheels, it's like a no-brainer. Of course you're going to buy Ninja Turtles, right? You know, Hot Wheels or Jurassic Park Pro. Hot Wheels or Star Wars Pro. There's just so many. Again, like they went after the Stern Pro market. And I think you after the Stern Pro marketplace and you're, you're dead on arrival. There is just no way you can compete there. And they also made this game for operators and COVID hit. So it was like it was like a triple whammy for these guys when this game came out. So what's next, though, from American Pinball? And I'm really curious because I think they're going to need to get something out to remain relevant in this pinball marketplace. They just have to do it. What's it going to be from American Pinball next? And I do want to see something next from this company, and I do want to see them make something people really want. I'll tell you why. Because the quality of their games is phenomenal. It sucks that, like, these guys build some of the best quality games on planet Earth. Like, Amtron knows how to build stuff. And yet they just don't have games people want. Then you have a company like JJP right now. They have the, they have the game everybody wants, but the quality is somewhat questionable. You know, even Stern quality is somewhat questionable. The companies that have the games we all want have the lowest quality. And the companies that have the greatest quality, you know, oh God, why can't we just have both? Can't we just get both of those things together in pinball? All right, let me end this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast with something else that I saw that was kind of funny. So when Slash was visiting Jersey Jack Pinball's manufacturing facility in Chicago, he did something really cool. He was walking the line when they were making the SC versions of the games, the standard edition versions of the game. And he stopped at one of the games and he signed the top hat and Eric Minier wrote a nice letter to go with the game that said, hey, just wanted to let you know that while your game was being made, Slash signed it. This is uh, an extra gift for you. He signed the top hat, game designer Eric Minier. Like really awesome note, really awesome thing to have this like one of one Slash signed a top hat in the game. And what does the guy do who gets the game? He unboxes the game and he lists it for sale on Pinside and tries to flip it for a profit and immediately gets downvoted left and right. And I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about George Gomez when he sends a letter and gives people like the Deadpool katana just randomly. He picks random buyers and it's just like a gift. It's a gift from the company to a random consumer just to say thank you for choosing us. And I saw this too with the Deadpool uh, katanas. People get pissed off. This community is so catty and so selfish. People get pissed off and are like, wait, I don't get it. Like I bought an LE. Why does a guy that buys the cheapest version of the game get that awesome letter and that awesome katana? Shouldn't I get it because I spent the most money? And it's like, are we really that catty in pinball? 
are we really such pin side babies or pinball babies where like you're mad that a company just did something randomly nice for one of its customers? Really? That upsets you in pinball? So I just want to talk about whether or not I think it's cool that people who get these items, if I think it's cool or not, that they try to become opportunistic and flip them for money. Like whether or not I think they should do that. And here's the thing. I do think when you get something and it's yours, you can do what you want with it. Absolutely. So I don't have a problem with people trying to capitalize on this. But I will say this. In life, in life, there's nothing more valuable than a good story. There's nothing more valuable than having something unique happen to you that makes the moment special. And trading that for money is lame. And if you give it up and just let someone else have it, so what? You've got a few more bucks in your pocket? What's that money going to do for you? Absolutely nothing, right? The next day, like something in your house might break and it's going to go to the, like the plumber, right? But when you have something unique, you have something that has a story associated with it, you can't put a price tag on that. So I would rather keep the machine where Slash actually touched it and signed it and stood over it and wrote that note. I'd rather have that machine than not have it. I'd rather have that amazing Katana Blade with Deadpool than not have it. And it would make me want to keep both of those things in my collection forever because it was a unique story. And it's not always about the money. And sometimes I think people, you know, try to sell things when they're hot. They want to cash out. But if you need the money, you shouldn't be in pinball. You really shouldn't. If you need the money and the money means that much to you, I would highly recommend you get in a time machine and you buy Tesla stock. You get in a time machine like heck just six months ago and there's a handful of stocks you could go buy. Go buy Crocs. Crocs stock went from like eight bucks to like 50 something dollars. You can make more money on Justin Bieber Crocs than you ever could in the history of flipping pinball devices, okay? So that's my point on this is if, if I got something like that, I would cherish it. I would be really happy I got it. I wouldn't flip it for a profit. Now, just having a random Stern LE and flipping that for a profit, yeah, I, I, I would do that. I, I, I see no fault in that. There's no story behind just having one of 500. But man, if it was something special in it, yeah, then maybe I would think about keeping it forever. All right, this has been episode 525 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We could go on for another two hours and 20-something minutes, or we could just do our Saturday morning spectacular. Now, for those of you out there who don't know this, if you join Canada's Pinball Podcast on Facebook every Saturday morning, roughly around 10 a.m., I do about a two-hour Facebook Live show. I call it the Saturday Morning Spectacular. It's everything but spectacular, um, but I think you'll have a good time. We talk to people live. I communicate with the audience. We go back and forth on questions. It's really fun. It's a really informal just get-together with a bunch of pin nerds, and I think you'll highly enjoy it. Everyone out there, have a great weekend. It's Halloween tomorrow. Enjoy Halloween. Be safe though. Wear a mask. You know, it's, it's, wear two masks tomorrow on Halloween. Lots to look forward to in pinball right now. It's a great time to be in pinball. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on. We just want to get that quality up a little bit over at JJP. I really hope they figure that out. I can't wait to get my collector's edition. I don't think I'm getting it this year. I just don't. If I were a betting man, I would bet against this year. Uh, Chicago Gaming Company, finally they're coming out with something. Finally they're coming out with something, okay? And Look, you can make fun of Canada all you want. I'm really just trying to get everyone out there the best quality games in their homes. These games cost so much. 
that you deserve something that doesn't pull, that doesn't chip, that doesn't start like breaking and falling apart right out of the box, okay? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Everyone have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Full of love.